a convoluted demonic attempt to go after this instrument of God called Lonnie Frisbee. Welcome to Radical Radio with Robbie Dawkins. Robbie is a renowned speaker and equipper in over 70 countries, as well as author of international best-selling book, Do What Jesus Did. Here's your host, Robbie Dawkins. Hi, I'm Robbie Dawkins, and we are back here again uh, with Radical Radio. And uh, picking up on part two with my uh, good friend, becoming good friend more than anything, uh, Stan Frisbee. Uh, He's a brother of Lonnie Frisbee. And if you didn't catch the first segment, I want to encourage you to, before even watching this one, go back and catch that one. If you didn't, if you don't have time to, you definitely want to hear this one because we're going to get in some very interesting things. We're going to get into some very uh, controversial subjects. You know us here at Radical Radio. We don't steer clear of those. But we're also going to get into some things that have happened. All of this, what is important I want everybody to know is Lonnie was a significant part of church history. Even though he passed away, what, 30, 40 years ago, um, he was a, a significant part of church history and uh, was a major catalyst in launching the, the Jesus Movement uh, film that recently came out that we were talking about in the last segment, Jesus Revolution. Uh, major, major player in that. God's hand was on Lonnie in a powerful way. And uh, some people would even look at Lonnie's life, and we'll hit this as we talk here, and go, mm, I don't think the Lord should have picked Lonnie. Wasn't the best <laughs> ca- candidate for that. Um, that's why God picked him. And God picks people that we are scratching our heads at, but as Stan, as you said in the last segment, it's so that God gets glory. He doesn't want any man grabbing the glory. He wants himself to get glory. And so it's, it's really important you know, that we hit on this. We were talking about, as we were wrapping up in the last segment, we got into discussing what was taking place, uh, the differences of, of what really happened in the movie Jesus Revolution, what, some things that they left out. Uh, you were talking about encouraging people to go see the film, use it as a gospel presentation. It was good in that. But there were some factual things that were off, and there were some perspective things that were off because different people have different perspectives when they uh, live those types of things. Uh, we clearly saw a shift of Chuck Smith moving away from the power of the Spirit, moving more to the power of the Word and the preaching of the Word. That was a significant. And you know, when you said that, that really said something to me because my father kind of did that too. My mother was a very prophetic person. But I watched my father shut my mother down in her gifting to highlight his. And my mother was a very good preacher as well, but she never got the pulpit, really. But my dad always did, and my dad had some very significant sin in his life. Uh, I shared with that in my second book, Identity Thief, and talk about his uh, he had multiple adulterous affairs while in ministry. And uh, but but came to a place of full repentance, fully turning around, confession to another minister, uh, confession to my mother, confession to us as his family, um, which is so powerful and so desired. With a lot of people, though, in ministry, when that happens, they get just sort of written off and shoved to the shot, shoved to the side. But uh, we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit later and how that may have applied to Lonnie. But what I wanted to ask you is, you know, Chuck. Um, you know, after uh, Chuck and Lonnie sort of, Lonnie went to Florida to try to save his marriage with Connie, uh, went in with Derek Prince, uh, uh, several of Bob Mumford, these guys that were part of the shepherding movement or uh, discipleship movement, I think they originally called it, and then they called it shepherding movement, which was a very heavy-handed kind of controlling environment. Uh, I knew several people in those movements, and they could just walk up to a member of the church and say, hey, you're coming to my house and mowing my lawn, and you had to do it. Like, they just were very heavy-handed, very controlling. Another place where Lonnie was kind of seeking a father, seeking somebody's acceptance, somebody that didn't get it there either, returned to Southern California, and let's pick up from there, because he came back, interestingly enough, because he respected Chuck so much, and because of his history at Calvary Chapel, came back to Calvary Chapel. What did that look like? How was he received when he came back? Okay, he didn't know where else to go, so he went back to Calvary, and... uh... And so it was said that Chuck gave him a vest, and his position was to tell people where to park. And he knew 
that the people coming in that years before he brought them to the Lord. And so was, he's a parking lot attendant. Yeah, this guy who yeah. sparked this mighty move of God. <laughs> yeah. And so wow. he did okay. that, and then eventually uh, Chuck gave him some a little bit of teaching again, where he could have a Wednesday night again. So, wow, how man, I can't imagine how Lonnie would have felt. It felt, I mean, t- to me, my perspective, and not trying to be cruel to Chuck, maybe there was reasoning behind it, but I can't understand that because that would feel very dishonoring in the sense of the significant role that Lonnie played. Do you think that perpetuated a father wound with him? Yes. So when he's coming back to Calvary Chapel and he's doing the parking lot attendant, you said that some of these people he led to the Lord, he's now directing on where to park. Yeah. And some of these people that he really had discipled. Right. He's now showing them how to, where to park their car. Uh, what what do you think was going on with knowing Lonnie? What do you think was going on inside of him over that? How do you think that feel, made him feel? He, he felt rejected and not mm. respected, and uh, and just uh, I'm sure that he was wondering what's going on. You know, how come this is all happening? That had to really hurt. I yeah. would think. Yes, but he stayed with it. Yes, I respect Lonnie for that. He yes. stayed with it. He didn't give up, and so then he got some speaking stuff. What what was was there any more afterglow in this time where they were doing the ministry afterwards, or had that been dispensed with? Do you I, know, I can't recall. I don't know. Yeah, but when the documentary was put out, "Life and Death of a Hippie Preacher," the guy that did it kind of edited it his own way. He tweaked it. It wasn't exactly how it should be, and uh, but he did expose something, and it was called spiritual amnesia. And that Ch- Calvary Chapel didn't want to use the name of Lonnie Frisbee. So when they talked about it, they might say the young man or they didn't use his name. Well, they didn't talk about him at all. And so mm. when the documentary came out, it talked about spiritual amnesia. So after that, Calvary started talking about Lonnie because they were exposed about having spiritual amnesia. Wow. Wow. And, and, we need to point out, I believe, because I noticed once Chuck Smith passed away, yes, I started having a bunch of Calvary Chapel people show up at my meetings, pastors, right, that were going. You know, we know we were birthed out of this, but but we weren't allowed to come and it wasn't sh- sanctioned. I had several of them tell me, "You're not a sanctioned person for us to come and hear, sit under." Right. be received ministry to. So there was some pretty heavy handed stuff going on in Calvary Chapel relating to the moving of the spirit, the works of the spirit. Yet it was the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. And so what I wanted to say about this in the beginning when Lonnie got there, Calvary had word and spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then when Lonnie went and became part of the vineyard, Vineyard became more like Calvary than Calvary. Yeah, it's original Calvary. Yes, because uh, they went away from word and spirit to word. Yeah. And then Vineyard became word and spirit. And so that's why I say that Vineyard was more like the original Calvary than Calvary. Yeah. Now, Ken Gullickson was the founder of the Vineyard, but it was he had three vineyard churches, yeah. but they were under the umbrella. They were in the denomination, if you will, of Calvary Chapel. That's correct. And they, uh, and so John Wimber pastored a church called the Yorba Linda Calvary Chapel. Correct. This is a church that Lonnie and his roommate, John Redkay, started circling, started yes. kind of going to as a part of the movement they were a part of. And then an invitation came to Lonnie. Right. So God asked John Wimber to invite Lonnie Frisbee, and John didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> because he was afraid of what Lonnie would do or say. Yeah. So John Rutke's telling Lonnie, now you got to behave yourself. You, you got to do it all correct and don't do anything wrong. And so when Lonnie ministered on Mother's Day, 1980, he had a good sermon. It was a testimony and a sermon. Everything was fine. John Wimber didn't feel threatened. Yeah. So then Lonnie called up 25 and under to come forward. And I, somebody that was there said, I don't know what he's doing, but it's not going to work because these kids aren't paying attention. 
So then Lonnie said, the Holy Spirit's been grieved, but he'll get over it. Come, Holy Spirit. So approximately 400 kids went down with power and speaking in tongues. It looked like a war zone. And a microphone fell on the mouth of a young man, and they couldn't get to him. And so tongues went out throughout the whole auditorium. Over the microphone. Over the microphone. And old people left the church forever, never coming back. And uh, it, it, caught, it looked like a war zone. And uh, so then John went home, prayed all night, couldn't, was trying to figure out if it was God, looking in the Bible to try to find out, come Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so then uh, he gets a phone call from Tom Stipes at 6.30 in the morning saying, it was I. So Tom Stipes is saying, the Lord is telling me yeah, to tell you, you, and he doesn't know what happened. Right, right. So Tom Stipes doesn't know what happened. Right. He's just calling John Wimber With and saying, the Lord's telling me to tell you. It was I. It was I. Yeah. Wow. So then they went to a meeting at the Wagner house, and I've heard this from John Rutke, that there was about 70 people there, and they had to be accountable for what happened. And so they're asking Lonnie what happened. Lonnie's trying to tell him, but he's not putting the words together. So then John Wimber stood up, and he says, I think Lonnie's trying to say this. And there's this guy that looks like a microbiologist, and he's very upset, and he wants it straightened out. And so then Lonnie kicked off his go-aheads and said, flip-flops as flip we would flops, say here. Yeah, flip-flops. Yeah. And he just said, no, that isn't what I'm saying. This is what the Lord is saying. You need to experience what happened. And so this guy that was very upset started shaking, falling on the floor, and he rolled underneath the chair of John Rutke. And uh, so then they ended up being there under the power of the Holy Spirit until 11 o'clock at night. Wow. That was the and, answer. And when, when do you think the, when did the meeting roughly start? I, I think early evening. So probably around six o'clock, yeah, maybe something like six early thirty, evening, something yeah. like that. And it goes to eleven o'clock. Yes. Now I've heard several people that were at that meeting. Now they said half of the people there were really ticked off. Right. They're pissed. The other half are going, We just want to know what this is. This was amazing. <laughs> and so this is what I tell people. God offends your mind to reveal your heart. Come on. And if you take a group of spirit-filled people to a meeting that's mixed, it can divide the meeting or to a church, it can divide the church, and it does. Mm. The movement of the spirit divides meetings and it divides churches because people judge it. They don't think it's God. And so they leave and go off and be word people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Come on. And so, and so they are offended but and then I thought about this. I just thought about this two days ago. The cross. When the disciples saw Jesus on the cross, they're, they're, they were offended. Mm. Okay, and even when he arose, they were still offended. They didn't think it was Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So God has a pattern. He offends your mind to reveal your heart, so and good. when your heart breaks through and understands then you can flow with the Spirit. Mm. And then people are afraid when they hear something that's not quite in the Bible. I tell people, God is not restricted to the Bible. Come on. It's our plumb line. But many things in this world, computers, many things in this world weren't around at the Bible time. So how are they going to write it in the Bible? So yeah. you need to have discernment, and it starts with having an... Uh, uh, um, a personal relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and where you have an intimate relationship, intimacy is the important part of your relationship with Jesus and, and the Godhead. And so it's hard for the enemy to duplicate intimacy. Mm. And so how you have discernment so is you learn the nature of God with, with this intimacy, You like your mother's voice, okay? Yeah. When you have this intimacy with the Lord, then when the enemy comes in there, it's not that intimacy, mm -hmm. and you can tell. And so the enemy tries to duplicate, but he doesn't have the equipment to duplicate intimacy. Mm -hmm. You know, and in intimacy, what's really interesting is you have to be laid bare. You, you can't have formalities. You can't have, you know— Adam and Eve in the garden are experiencing the most reality part of intimacy. They have no clothing. They have no obstruction. There's nothing to hide. There's nothing. Everything is sort of laid bare. But then when all of a sudden that, the thing about the power of the Holy Spirit that I've learned 
is that it it sort of uncovers the things that are between you and God. And it sort of pulls and strips all that away, which a lot of religion does. It, it provides a covering. It, it can do, you can hide in it. After that, how did Chuck and Calvary Chapel respond to your Belinda Calvary Chapel, John Wimber's church, and the group of people who were embracing what God did with Lonnie there? Okay, I think it caused division. Um, Chuck was surprised that more of his people that were Calvary went over to be vineyard and it and I feel like Chuck was upset. Yeah, because what happened if if I remember the the the, the what took place is they ended up Chuck ended up saying, look, if you guys are going to pursue that, you got to go. Right. And so that meant Lonnie, John, and then other pastors that were embracing it, Ken Gullickson. Yes. And so before they were under the covering, so Calvary and Vineyard were under the covering of Chuck Smith Calvary Chapel. But then after that happened, they became out from under the covering, and they were their own entity. And Chuck separated them, saying, well, you guys are going after that. That's not what we're going after. We're staying Logos. We're staying word-preaching church, not experiencing all that stuff, going after all that. And that's really interesting because then— Lonnie and uh, I think one of the people from that Life and Death of a Hippie Preacher quote, uh, quoted said, John and uh, uh, Lonnie and John became the dynamic duo. Okay, yeah. And, that they, and, and, and what I heard was that John would kind of come along and bring the theology of what Lonnie was doing and saying. Lonnie didn't really have, he didn't have that formal training, didn't have that. And John really didn't have a lot of that either. Carol told, Carol Wimber to, had explained that to me also. But that they had, uh, but they would come together and L- John later would say, you got to have the proclamation and demonstration. Right. Well, John was kind of more of the proclamation, Lonnie the demonstration. Right. But they really sort of worked together in, right. that, in that mode. And for several years, there was, it was a smooth relationship. Right, and, it seemed to be. From and what John seen. said, "More is caught than, than taught," mm-hmm. and that's where the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. People would see it, and then they would catch it. Yeah, but if just to hear about words, it wouldn't. It wouldn't do it. Yeah, and so they'd have caught. to see the movement of the Spirit, and then they would, and then they would get touched. And that's how come he said that. And the other thing I wanted to say is, logos word. But we need rhema on the word. Come on. So we need life from the Holy Spirit to be put on that word. Yeah. And you can't do that on your own. It, it, it can help you do that transition, but when you're flowing with both word and spirit, then the rhema is going to come on the word. You know, and a lot of people will stop and, you know, as if this is a Bible, it's Roger's book, but we'll, we'll pretend here for a minute. They'll stop and they'll look at the... Um, They'll look and go, yeah, but no, you know, this scripture spoke to me, so that's a rhema word. That's not a rhema word. That's a logos word. It's a logos word that applies in the now. A rhema is when God is speaking something to you. God is releasing something to you. That's a rhema word. Now, he can use scripture to speak something to you, but again, because it's the written word, that's logos. Now, that was a distinction, I think, that didn't they didn't really communicate at that time, but John Wimber clearly had an issue because John, as Lonnie did, moved very heavily in words of knowledge. Now, Ken Gullickson was sort of the overseer of these three little vineyard churches, and then he said, Hey guys, because Calvary Chapel's putting us out, why don't we become one, yeah. One and become the vineyard? And why don't you use that name as the covering for all of us? But John take the lead on it. And so he did. Now Ken felt you were sharing with me felt like they should have co-led it together. And I would, I, I, I would, I would support that. I think, I think God had given the vineyard to Ken because Ken was a very loving guy. Like he, you would go here. I remember hearing people talk about, you would go hear Ken preach in his church and he would get up, oh, the father loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Now you'd have, uh, you know, and this is a church where, you know, so so people have perspective of this. This is a church where Bob Dylan had gotten saved in. 
This is the church where um, uh, Keith Green had gotten saved. Ken Gullickson had led Keith Green to the Lord, and Keith was writing these songs. Now, Keith would get up and sing, you know, Jesus rose from the dead, but you can't get out of bed. And then after that, you know, these harsh sort of John the Baptist sort of songs and messages. But then Ken would get up and go, but the Father loves you. And I remember just uh, he, he sort of... John could have done well with that balance, you know, in there because Ken was truly one of the hippies that had become a pastor and that had had a, so they came together, but then something happened where that there was again, uh, some division with again, and now a kind of a new father and Lonnie, what, what was happening there? Do you know? What do you mean? Or what do you want to speak uh, of? What do you mean about the new father? Well, he was looking to Chuck, I think, okay, as a, yeah, yeah, as a yeah. father. In and the, now John, kind of in the same okay, age yeah, range, yeah, yeah, yeah. a new kind of father. That's right. it, it, that's not me putting words in it. So, that's just or that's so my perspective. John did the best that he could do with what he had and what he with what he had and his personality. Okay, and then he just did things how he thought he was supposed to do later. But I wanted to say something about Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a Lonnie story. Uh, they're in Sweden, I think it's Sweden, and Lonnie was at a Christian conference, and he's the leader, and across the way was a Bob Dylan uh, concert, and the Lord told Lonnie to take down the idol, and I, I didn't know this up until recently, so Lonnie knew what he was talking about, so Lonnie got all the Christians to focus over there, raise their hands, and, and he heard again, and the Lord is saying, take down the idol, meaning Bob Dylan. And so Lonnie saw a white fireball go over to the Bob Dylan concert. And then Lonnie tried to, he snuck in and tried to find Bob Dylan and bring him to the Lord. But that isn't how it was supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. So Lonnie prayed it in, but then Ken Gullickson brought him to the Lord. <laughs> and then he directed him towards... Uh, training in vineyard to where he got trained up and then he did three or four you know slow train yeah. saved albums and he sang christian songs and he didn't he didn't quite get treated well in the christian realm and he didn't quite get treated well in the natural realm yeah in the secular realm. yeah so yeah. he had a hard time both ways and i want to speaking wanna, of bob dylan yeah. yeah speaking of bob dylan so i want to say something else so when lonnie had me, when I became a Christian the second time, or when I became a Christian, Lonnie got me a book called uh, Elijah Task, written by John Sanford. And Powerful book. It was heavy duty, and I had warfare. Whenever you have warfare, it means that you're doing the right thing because the enemy doesn't want you to do it. And I learned this from Lonnie. So whenever you have a meeting, you're going to have warfare before the meeting, and it is a confirmation that you're doing the right thing. Mm. Okay. You know, in that time period, um, they had some things had been uncovered, uh, from what I recall and correct me if I'm wrong, but some things had been uncovered of some struggles that Lonnie was going through while he was with John. And I don't, I don't remember if they were from the past, but it was something, if I remember Chuck Smith Jr. had said something to John, which John, which John, uh, with John Wimber. Okay. While he was with John Wimber, that that some things had kind of been brought to light. Now at that time, Lonnie was living; he was sh- sharing the grandmother's house with John uh, Rudke, yeah. and so Lonnie's on straight and narrow, doing good. But there was something from the past right. that had had affected him. Do you want to talk about that, or do you sure. want to say something about that? So Lonnie was molested by a babysitter when eight, he was age age eight. And I feel like that put a chink in his armor. Mm-hmm. And so he, uh, I think he fell in that area a, a, a little bit, but he never uh, considered gay lifestyle. He didn't live the gay lifestyle, okay? And um, so was Lonnie gay? And I think no. And he said gay is sin. And, um, but he, and he said, I am not gay. Yeah, because I was going to say, Lonnie said himself, "He's not gay." I'm not gay. And then Ken Gullickson talks real well about um, Lonnie. About he he explains it kind of like how I'm explaining it, but um, 
and it, and he thinks it had to do with the woundedness, the father figure stuff, and and what happened when he was young, and it kind of messed him up inside. Okay, but uh, can I say something about that? I yeah. don't want to throw you no, off track ahead. from go your ahead. thought. My perspective, Stan, based on inner healing, is Lonnie felt a rejection from his natural father, right. who married this other woman, and and you and your mother went to live with. Uh, uh, the new stepdad, new father, yeah, and 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 there he was looking for an acceptance. There was a lot of confusion as an eight-year-old boy when a neighbor boy, who is a babysitter, an authority, yes, that your mother is saying to listen to, obey, follow, that became an authority that he felt an acceptance yes. with, and so he's feeling a. It, and clearly Lonnie's a feeler right. as a personality. Right. And so he's, you know, you had told me the babysitter would have him sit on his lap, stroke his hair, do all these things. It started like that. It yeah. ended up with him taking him to shower. the shower and molesting him in the shower. The, um, the level of confusion that must have been in Lonnie's mind of, wait a minute, here's an older man. I'm looking for a father acceptance I feel an acceptance from this, but it's a convoluted, demonic, I'll say it, a convoluted, demonic attempt to go after this instrument of God called Lonnie Frisbee, to distort, to confuse, and to rob, you know, what God had intended. Satan can see, he can see, he knows, either because of prophetic or whatever, when God's hand is on people. Right. And he seeks them. He comes after them, you know? And so would you agree with that as an assessment, that that was the attempt of the enemy and that it confused Lonnie and this was part of the the struggle in Lonnie's life? He was not gay, right? but there was a confusion over trying to get the acceptance of a male father figure, right. an older man figure. Would, would you agree with that assessment or how would you correct that? I agree. Yeah. And so... What what did that end up doing between John and Lonnie? Because there was a separation that came with him in the vineyard at some point. Okay. I think that... Um, I know that Lonnie did some confession to in one of these churches uh, to a pastor, and then that pastor went to the head pastor and told what Lonnie thought was going to be private. And then people feel like he should have been nurtured more out of that. Instead, sure. instead, what was happening is they called ahead, and wherever Lonnie would go to minister, they would call ahead and shut down what he was doing. Mm. So because they thought they were doing the people a favor, you know. So they thought this was a current issue and an ongoing issue in Lonnie's life, but it was really now. I would I would consider this more in a stumble category. Some people would call it a full blown fall. To me, a fall is for you to fall into sin, go Just into go away, it. Yeah, but it was really a stumble. He stumbled into it's, a sin, but that he pulled back out of. He right. self he self regulated back on track. Is that is to your knowledge? Is that correct? That's correct. And and he felt like. Uh, because they called ahead and was canceling, he felt like he was uh, uh, he couldn't do the Lord's work, and so he started to have bitterness for the 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 Chuck and 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 uh, John even John yeah, and so he just started having a root of bitterness, and and again a demonic attack, yeah, and it stayed and with him yeah. until all until. His deathbed, and then and then it was dealt with. Go ahead. And let me just say this: I I, I don't want to cut you off, but 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 in the Sanford's book, they talk about a root of bitterness. Yes. It's a very important part of inner healing yes. of getting to that root of bitterness and what that is. And this is what this is really what Lonnie was suffering was because it came in. So the enemy was using a a a a thing that, of him doing the right thing by confessing. Yeah. By coming forward, but and it being, being uncovered betrayed. and upspoke, and then again being marginalized, right. being pushed out to the side again. Now, what a lot of now in this movie, Life and Death of a Hippie Preacher, we've talked about Jesus Revolution, but there's a clear agenda in that movie from my perspective. And the objective is a promotion of LGBTQ, as we call it today. Some people call it the alphabet people, that's easier to say than the LGBTQ XYZs. 
But the truth is, is that there was something that there was an agenda of saying Lonnie's gay. Right. They they would like to have him as their poster child. Exactly. But he clearly would have would have denounced that. Yes. And would have said no. Yeah. He he said he wasn't gay. He said gay's a sin. And uh, so uh, it it has to do with lifestyle also that. John Rutke lived with him, and he never saw that stuff. And uh, Ken Gullickson. Never saw him hanging out at gay bars. Never saw him hanging out, trying to pick guys up, stuff like that. That was never a part of Lonnie's uh, process. Right. uh, That that, uh, John, who lived with him and was with him all the time, traveled with him all over the world. Right. And uh, that he – so John was also surprised – John Ratke was also surprised at this because he's like, I lived with the guy for 10 years, seven years, something like that. And when they're trying to push this gay agenda, they have a picture of John with Lonnie's arm around John. That's because he's a loving brother. But with the words they have on the page, they're they're projecting that that's, oh, probably Lonnie's lover. It's the furthest thing from the truth. Well, if you know John Recke, yeah, you know that's not he's true married, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's clearly a very straight guy, you know. And 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 you know, this is the deception the enemy is trying to infiltrate the church with right now. And there's many people, there's many people stand going for it because they want. Okay, like in society, almost everything's a lie nowadays. Okay, and and how can you tell so and so is lying? Their lips are moving. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in a society yeah. that uh, what, what they're feeding to us in the news is almost all lies. And yeah. then when they bring it about, then they say, oh, that's debunked. That's their key word before. That's debunked. And I say, that's a bunch of bunk. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, you know, and people were asleep. They're our society, things are coming at us, and they're asleep. You know, oh, I don't want to hear this. I don't want. To. And then people are waking up. Yeah, they're seeing that. Most and it was money doing it. Most of the things were were feeding us lies. And I'm thinking, do you think we're stupid? Yeah, come on. You yeah. know. And so uh, n- now people are starting to wake up. You can't. They can't feed them these lies anymore. And uh, and they're just. They, you just watch the people, and. Even the stuff about Trump, I'm for Trump. Me too. Yeah. But, hey, everybody here knows that, but, about me at least. But now, even when you see Trump talking, they twist it. Mm-hmm. So everything, uh, everything's twisted. And so um, the regular people get confused right. on how things are. Yeah. Well, if you hear lies long enough, you start believing them because you just, you're just bombarded yeah, with just, it. And you know, let me let me say this if I could with Lonnie. So in this place and in this time in his life, there's a there's a deep wound. There's a deep there's a vulnerability. He's hearing a conclusion of leaders that, and at that point to have had a we have many people now uh, in town. There's a very large church in town that their their worship uh, I believe their the worship pastor uh, had been um, as would clearly say I'm not a lesbian. She would clearly say I'm not a lesbian. But about 10 years ago, she had a lesbian affair. Okay. Uh, She married, got a family, got kids. But the enemy, people don't realize how conniving, deceptive, and twisted the enemy is that he's going after, and we're seeing this with a whole generation now. He's going after a whole generation to where they don't know who they are anymore. You know, that male or female, this or that, it or whatever, there's so much confusion. The The devil is seeking, roar, roaming around as roaring lightning, seeking who he can devour and distort even the image of God. Or man and, man and woman, male yeah, and female. That's what I know. mean. He created them. That's now being distorted, being being robbed and being uh, depleted in our society to confuse and to rob people. And this is clearly to me what was happening with Lonnie, that the enemy was seeking to totally derail him as somebody who was so 
in reckless abandonment to God. Yes. And something I love that we've mentioned, you know, John Racket here quite a bit. One of the things I love about John in, in his saying is he goes, there's one thing I know about Lonnie is he was always crying out to God, Lord, use me, use me. I just want to be used by you. You know, he did have that father that loved him, embraced him, and, and, and used him despite what others would call a disqualification, that as, as Chuck was looking and saying, these hippies can't be used, right? You can have a fall in this area, and God can restore you. God can heal you yeah. from sexual brokenness. God can heal you, whether it's heterosexual. To me, there is no homosexuality because that would imply that there's a sexuality called same sex, and it's not true. It's not even homosexuality is a farce. It's not even a real thing. It's fake news. Let's just call it for what it is. There's only one type of sexuality, and that's the one that God developed. But Satan is enticing and deceiving and luring away right. by this. And the whole point, I believe, is to derail people in their confidence and to deplete them and, and to, to cause this horrific wound inside of them. But one of the things that, that, that I see is that you know, God continued to use Lonnie. That's right. God continued to minister. And then in Lonnie's place of most brokenness, he gets a diagnosis. Obeys. You know, when, when somebody gets a serious diagnosis like that, and pretty much this is a death sentence, especially at that time. Yes. Now there's a lot of stuff there that wasn't in place. Right. Lonnie clearly, and I know this from the books, clearly that a lot of shame came on him, which we know is from the enemy. Right. You know, and so a lot of shame hit it. He didn't tell anybody. Right. For a long time. Um, do you think that was because he was ashamed of yes. it as a minister? Yes. You think it was a, a part of it as fear of further rejection? Of course. Of course, yeah. And that makes sense. How did, you know, that had to probably add a a bitter layer to what he was already feeling. It's like the nail in the coffin. <sighs> wow. And, and he was already dealing with some anger and hurt and wounds towards these leaders who had rejected him. Right. And um, did any friends approach him about that and kind of... Well, John Rutkate tried to deal with that, like his bitterness, and he, he told John's the only one he told about having AIDS. The diagnosis, wow. And so John knew that down the road he was going to have to deal with this stuff, and he wanted Lonnie to talk into and tell the story, but Lonnie was so sick he didn't have the, uh, he couldn't do it. And so, uh, so John tried to talk Lonnie into it, and they caused a fight, and they didn't talk to each other for two years. Wow. And so then a, a prophet, Paul Kane, mm -hmm. gave three pages of prophetic words to Lonnie, and in that, three pages, he mentioned John Rutke's name to, for Lonnie to go and forgive uh, John Rutke for what, they, what happened between them. Mm. So then they got restored together, and then they went to different countries to do more ministry. Mm. So the word from Paul Kane brought this back on track. Now, a, a good friend of mine who's a pastor up in Pennsylvania, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at Life Church, told me, too, that he was at a meeting where, uh, and I believe it was the Anaheim Vineyard, where Paul Kane showed up. He was actually preaching down the, down the street at, at a church, and he actually, uh, he, it, Paul Kane walked into the room, and John Wimber acknowledged him and said, Paul, do you have a word or anything? And he goes, yeah, I just have one word, but it's not for the church, it's for you. And now I haven't, I, let me just clearly say, I haven't had anybody else who has verified this, but this is what the pastor at Life Center told me, was that the Lord spoke, that, that Paul Cain got up and said, uh, John, the Lord, he goes, I don't know who this is, but the Lord says, take care of my servant Lonnie, that you've neglected him. And at that point, in Lonnie's illness, his health was so bad, he needed care, he needed help. There was, there was no money. Lonnie, let me just say this. I'm sorry because I'm interrupting myself to say it. Forgive me. I do this to myself all the time. But Lonnie never strived for financial support. You are right. Yes. He was not, Lonnie was not enticed by money. No. And he didn't have it a lot. 
Yeah, he was not. He was. He was not a seeker of money. And even John has said, you know, once you start seeking, once you start going after the money, the oil stops. stops I yes. love. I love that line because you got to be careful that it's not about the money. But in that, so Lonnie's sitting here now, dying, now wounded, uh, not having. Who took care of him? How did this work? Okay, this is how I came more on board to be help Lonnie. Um, it turned out that Lonnie had a friend, electrician, and his name was uh, Dennis Evans. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dennis knew Lonnie at the original Calvary Chapel, and Dennis was given a directive by Chuck Smith to be with Lonnie. Watch, watch out for Lonnie, like a bodyguard. Watch out for Lonnie. So that's how it started. So then Dennis was electrician, and he would get his money by working in the electric field. Then Lonnie and him would go on ministry trips, and Dennis would have the money, mm. okay, because there was hardly ever money except for other times, you know. So uh, Dennis and him were a friend like Batman and Robin, and uh, it turned out that I went to visit Lonnie. Well, Dennis got fed up because Lonnie always had these doves. And they'd be at rental places, and Lonnie would paint art on the walls of the house they didn't own. <laughs> and the birds were pooping on the floor of the rental. Oh, wow. And so Dennis said, that's it. I've had it. He just, Dennis leaves. So I show up as his brother. There's no food in the house. Mm. And there's no money coming in. So He's in the throes of the sickness. Yeah, there was no money coming in. And so... Uh, my wife and I bought groceries, took to Lonnie's house, and then we started paying attention to Lonnie because he had AIDS. So then God provided this Catholic lady. Her name is Maureen Gore, and her son was blind, and her son got healed in Lonnie's ministry. Wow. And so, so Maureen Gore was donating $1,000 a month and Bless helping. Him. And then the Lord told her, and I think he's told her to sell her car. She took full time on taking care of Lonnie. She just quit her job and started taking care of Lonnie. And she was a Catholic, but she got touched in Lonnie's ministry. And she was just wild for go all out for Holy Spirit, okay? (laughs) She was a Pentecostal Catholic now. (laughs) Yeah, and when she would drive up, she'd be like wild. And uh, and, But she committed to this thing. And I was telling Robbie that what I learned that, that when you're doing something in the Lord, then all of a sudden you, you find out it's an assignment. Mm. And when you have an assignment for the Lord, you need to do it like going to college and you need to do it until it's done because he's given it to you for a reason. And then because you did that, you'll get promotion in the Lord because you have an assignment, you fill, do it. And then, and then that's over. And then you, God gives you promotion, and, and you learn things because it, it's what God wanted. So I found out that I had an assignment, just like Maureen. We, Maureen and I had the same assignment, which was to take care of Lonnie. But her assignment was different than my assignment. And I had a vision of this lake frozen, and there's this hole in the ice, and Lonnie and Maureen Gore are in it. And that's her. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to be with Lonnie in this death situation. But I was not to get into the death situation. I was to be on the outside bringing provision and doing my part from the outside, not on the inside. And then later when Lonnie died, not too long after that, Maureen died. Wow. Of cancer. Wow. So this frozen lake is sort of representing this atmosphere of death that yes. Lonnie was in yes. as in the last days. Yes. And did, you know, did did anybody did anybody at any point kick in to help financially? Who kicked in was John Wimber. Um, mm. um, there's another story that was uh, Maureen Gore and Lonnie were on a ministry trip, and they had no money. And so they got on their knees, and they prayed to the Lord, and they say, we'll even take money from John Wimber. <laughs> oh, so wow. John Wimber was woke up in England, and the Lord told him something, and he said, is anybody taking care of Lonnie? And the answer was no. So that's when they released money to us, and we would go to Steve Zaret's house, and he would give us money. And then Lonnie was telling us what to do, but what we learned 
is the leader, Lonnie, was sick. And so he's going to make comfort decisions for him, but it's not the right decisions. So Mm -hmm. Maureen and I had to make decisions for our leader because he was sick. So we decided to get a place in Newport because if we went to Fullerton, we'd have to drive there every day to help him. So we got someplace close to where we lived so we could go there every day and help him. So he was on his deathbed, and uh, my wife always says that Lonnie, well, he had this operation on his eyes, and, and he woke up singing a pirate song, yo, ho, ho, singing a pirate song. <laughs> and then the Lord told him, uh, the, the doctor says, go home and, and rest, put your face down. And Lonnie says, no, we're going to do high tea, mm. like in England. Mm-hmm. So he, he set up and did high tea with my wife and some other people. And then he went to bed because he's all the time setting up special things because that's his personality. Yeah. So he's in his deathbed, uh, and I think he got a call from Chuck, and he's been waiting for these special. And and Chuck says, uh, Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith said, "This is your papa," and they mm. talked. And then I'm gonna cry. That's all right. <laughs> and <clears throat> whoever came to visit Lonnie got a very special blessing. Phil Aguilar was there, and he got really blessed. And uh, and there was a scripture in the Old Testament, returning the hearts of the fathers and the son. Uh, and it had to do with spiritual fathers and natural fathers. So returning the hearts to the fathers, to the sons. And that was this, the departing scripture that Lonnie had. And uh, so God's stuff was happening up until the end of Lonnie's death. And so whoever had the wisdom to come and visit him would be visited by the Holy Spirit and touched. And even if they made a phone call, the same thing. So that was very powerful and God's stuff. Everything about that was God's stuff, okay? And uh, so good. And then the people that are left behind, like uh, a young couple, they're in ministry now. They were always at Lonnie's Holy Spirit meetings. Um, I can't. They're in Lonnie's book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the son of Maureen Gore is still around and talks about Lonnie. Whoever who was touched by Lonnie ended up like with a ministry. Yeah. And. Uh, and very dynamic. Um, and then I think it's really special who did the forwards to Lonnie's books. I like to look at whoever does the forward shows you what camp that person's in. And so uh, the, the forwards on these books really says really special things about Lonnie. And uh, so I recommend the three books that Roger Sachs wrote. And because Lonnie talked to into a tape recorder. So when you read the book, it's like talking to Lonnie and it, it shares from the beginning when he's young to the middle of his ministry to set free and set free was the biker church mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that took Lonnie in when he was really hurting mm. and they listened to his story. And eventually they called him the spirit man. Mm, so and, appropriate. Uh, and then three people in my family got saved at the biker church, which was my stepdad and his two sons, Steve and Scott. And then Scott's death, which Phil Aguilar did the funeral, Scott's death took me to brokenness. And then out of the brokenness, I rededicated myself to the Lord. And then my, my uh, gifting started to come out of brokenness. Mm-hmm. And Scotty's death took me to hit the wall. And then after that, I was at the end of myself, and then you really understand how to uh, receive from the Lord, and you understand what the Lord wants when you go through brokenness. And uh, and so if if you haven't reached brokenness, you're kind of coming from a self point of view. Yeah. But when you reach brokenness, the self is dead, mm. and then you start over again. That's why I have phase one and phase two of my salvation. And then phase two was when I started studying more, become more serious, and receive my gifting and start functioning in my gifting as opposed to before. But you're a seer. You're yes. you're moving the prophetic, and yes. and these books of the Sanfords really helped, helped develop me. that. And yes. John Paul Jackson, others, 
You know, can I say that uh, when, when I read uh, book number two by Roger, and it was particularly this one, and I, several people I've told after this, when I, when I read this one, an impartation comes with this book. <laughs> when I was done with it, at the end of it, and I, at my good friend, uh, you know, uh, Sarah Bowling, Marilyn Hickey's daughter, I told her, I said, read all three of these books. I said, but at the end of that second one, an impartation comes. She said after she read it, she got up to preach the next Sunday, and the power of the Holy Spirit fell so strong. And she goes, Robbie, you're right. There's an impartation in that book. And there's an impartation from Lonnie's life. You know, um, Lonnie's buried at the Crystal Cathedral. That's right. And at his funeral, some things were said that were very interesting. There was a theme. Uh, John had a, a word that two other people had the same word. What was that word? Or Samson. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember it? Um, well... Lonnie was going to this meeting. And you, you prepared this funeral. This was a funeral of your brother. Yes. You put yeah. it together. I put it together. Uh, I, I, I had to do the, the arrangements, I think. Anyway, I had to do the arrangements, and, and I helped carry the casket. And then they had, like, six speakers talking about it. But um, there was... Uh, you had Chuck? Yeah, Chuck was there. Yeah, John. And I suggest you see it on YouTube that the service. It was all, it was emceed by uh, Bill Aguilar. Mm -hmm. e each speaker had something special to say about Lonnie and how God used him and what happened. And, uh, but there was this saying, I, I, I don't know how it fits, but anyway, Lonnie was saying that I'm Samson. And, and, and John Wetkay says, What do you mean? He said, I'm Samson. And then, Wherever they went, the, the teaching was on Samson. So there was a confirmation on Lonnie would get these ideas, and he would trust the Lord, and uh, he would say something like one time he said, I'm going to Zion. And then when they went, they were preaching on Zion. So Lonnie would make these statements, and then the thing that happened would be a confirmation on his statement. Mm. And we've learned that a lot, okay? Uh, so anyway... Uh, I don't remember how it was said at the funeral. Uh, each each person had something to say. And um, John Rudkay said that he had the Lord spoke to him, or that he had a word that, and he had Lonnie had said that to him. But then later, that's what he shared at the funeral was how that the spirit of the Lord came and moved on him at times in his powerful, impactful ways and things. But there were two other people. It's interesting that got up and. Had the same word. Okay. And with one of them, I think it was a little more from a negative perspective of Samson's life okay. and the struggle. Um, <clears throat> I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that came from Chuck. But, um, but you know, I, I would encourage everybody to watch the funeral because it was really powerful. Yes. And Lonnie is, uh, is buried at, at Crystal Cathedral. And did any, did any of those leaders help with the funeral financially? Did anybody... No. No, just you? Just me. Oh, my goodness. And I got in trouble with my wife. <laughs> I bet. That, how much was that funeral? $11,000. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, I think kind of a takeaway, Stan, and we're moving towards our closing. I want you to pray for everybody because you're a Frisbee, <laughs> and you have your own calling. You have your own anointing. But, two, you were around Lonnie when he was going, and—, and, and Despite the struggles, despite this pain, I want everybody to remember there's not a saint in the world that was without sin. Not one. We all have it. We've all had to overcome it. And like Lonnie said, there's consequences for it. And there's consequences for it. That is not the judgment or wrath of God on an individual because Jesus bore that at the cross. He took the punishment of our sin for him. God never poured out a, a judgment on Lonnie for, for having these struggles because of this abuse that he went through. That does, God doesn't work that way. Now, we can pull ourselves out from under the grace and be exposed to where the enemy can come after right. us, right. and that can happen. Yes. But every saint that has been verified or dubbed a saint all battled the sin.
and all battled the struggle and all battled the need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and on the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse them and to free them. So I say clearly, Lonnie Frisbee was a saint. Amen. And he's in, the, and I, I think right now, I think he's dancing on the golden streets with Chuck Smith and John Wimber. And a bunch of other people. And a bunch of other people that he led to the Lord in that Jesus revolution. But um, there's, there's something that's being released, and I want you to share, share yeah. that. And then I want you to pray. pray and give any word that you have to anybody. Okay. This, what I'm getting ready to tell you is uh, w- when we did, we did a book opening on each book, and we did the opening of book three, which is dedicated to Set Free and Phil Aguilar. Um, it was done at Anaheim Vineyard, and there was like six speakers that, that had something to say. And this is on YouTube, and it's called Lonnie Frisbee Complete Auto, Autobiography Launch Event. Launch event. Yep. And, and this is on YouTube. It's, it's two hours, and it's everybody that spoke about book three. And so I, I really want everybody to watch this because it uh, addresses the questions that are out there. And then the other one is by John Rutke, and he just did it like three days ago. Mm-hmm. Lonnie Frisbee, unscripted by John Rutke, and as Lonnie's friend and roommate, he addresses uh, from the beginning to the end and his perspective, and it's wonderful. And we have that link on there too. Everybody, all you got to do is click on it. Uh, just had, I called John after watching it and uh, had a good lengthy conversation and we'll have many more. Um, you know, the takeaway from this and one of the things I love that John Rutke said in Life and Death of a Hippie Preacher, he said, I came to the realization after being friends with Lonnie that God can use anybody and he can use me. And that I think is the big takeaway that the Lord is saying he can use anybody. He used Lonnie and he can use us. And would you just, whatever you feel the Lord to pray, because you know what? We're entering a season of revival right now, Stan. There's, a, there's an, a, another awakening that's coming. And it's very similar, I believe, to the Jesus Revolution. But it's, uh, Lou Engel saw it. I would have been at that event, that autobiographical event, but I was in Afghanistan. Otherwise, I would have been there, my friend. But there is a, there is a stirring, is a working and what would you say to the people that are beginning to see that maybe at these different campuses and universities? How would you say to posture themselves to receive that or to respond to that? Okay. This is information. So what I've seen is the ones that are hungry are the ones that get it because they're pushing, they're pressing on. There's a Bob Dylan song, Press On. It's Philippians 3. Uh, four through 10, something like, it's not that I've already attained, but I press on to the higher call of Christ Jesus. And so it starts with a relationship. You press into Jesus, you learn about the Holy Spirit and have this relationship and then press into guidance and, and, and have God teach you and press in for your teaching to understand your calling. You're part of the fivefold ministry. And, and, and uh, that way, when you learn more about your calling, you can do your part uh, as opposed to just being a Christian and loving Jesus because there's all aspects of, of the body, okay? And that when you're functioning in your full calling, you're going to have the most that you can give for your part. And when you're doing your part, you feel like you're really accomplishing something and you're lining up with the Lord. Mm. And so... Um, the hunger for more is the key. So key. And, and find out for yourself uh, so you can have discernment on what's real and what's not real, what's fake. And so have this movement stir you and move you into areas that you're supposed to be. And so that you can understand what your part is and then how you can impart your part to the other people mm-hmm. and back and forth. Okay. So now I'll pray. Yeah. I pray for a fresh fire. Yes. Lord. And fresh desire. And I pray for, uh, 
that would be high and lifted up, like there's a song, Kiss the Sun, mm. that I pray that we would all be high and lifted up and don't get stuck in denominationalism, don't yes. get stuck in only word. I pray for the fullness of the gospel, and I pray for a revealing of what God has for each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stan, I want to thank you so much for coming and being here. You came at the last minute. I was like, can I get you a ticket tomorrow? Let's go. And you you agreed. And I'm so appreciative to you, to your wife, to your son, Jacob. Thank you. And uh, I just want to say that everybody get these books. You do not want to miss them. Uh, we're posting uh, the the link in order for you to be able to get Roger's books. Read them. These are in Lonnie's words. Roger was just taking recording and then writing them down, putting them in books. Get these books. You do not want to miss. There is a release and an impartation of what was on Lonnie's life, and we need it now in this nation and in the world. And I want to encourage everybody, listen, I want you to get out, share the gospel, spread the news of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is with you. Don't be in a dead church that is shutting this out. Be in one, and if it's dead and it's it's that way, you bring the life of the Holy Spirit, and don't take no for an answer. Because as, as Lonnie Frisbee said many times, Jesus is coming back, and he wants the Holy Spirit wants his church back. The Holy Spirit wants his church back, and now's the time for the release of that. And so I want to encourage everyone, stay radical, and like this, share it, and spread the word of this incredible man of God that God used to do an incredible thing in this nation and around the world. So stay radical. This week's podcast is brought to you by Robbie Dawkins Ministries. Do you know someone who would be impacted by today's episode? Share it with them and let us know what they think. Subscribe or follow this podcast so you don't miss our next episode. You can also leave us a review, like, comment, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Until next time, stay radical. Stay radical.